Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Foley is Pod. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer himself, the hardcore legend, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mick Foley. Mick, how are you, man? I'm doing great. I have to tell you, the beginning of that show, that music, uh, that never gets old, does it? No, it's fun every single time. And we are so glad that you guys are joining us yet another time. We got a lot to talk about with Mick, but we know this is Mick's favorite time of the year. Christmas is upon us. And, uh, wow. We recently saw you in full Santa garb. This went viral (laughs) over the weekend. Uh, tell us how in the world you wound up in a wrestling ring as Santa Claus over the weekend. Well, first of all, here's my loophole. This might sound like nitpicking. Because if I, I'm really not a, a part of the you know Santa community <laughs> online anymore, I just kind of do my own thing. Including, I have to tell you, uh, this is you know for my ears only. I'm, I'm going to just tell you about what my ears only heard in my family. Is I send out like uh, 30 videos where I really am you know portraying the big guy. Yes, uh, doing my best with top notch stuff. And we went up uh, into the mountains of New Hampshire and filmed with live reindeer. And five minutes after I uh, sent the video to The Rock, <laughs> like, it had to be within 10 minutes. I get this just, just three-and-a-half-minute voice message, and it's so nice. Uh, play it for my family, and we're all, like, beaming like little kids. Like, it was like the magic of Christmas. So I do – there are times when I portray Santa, but my feeling is when I did my run-in – I was just like, I was a guy wearing a suit, you know, wearing a cheap party suit. And for me, so I'm not hitting the ring as Santa. I'm a guy dressed as Santa, if that makes any sense. I got it. So if I'd gone in, if I'd gone in there and do a death match uh, and hit a double arm DDT with the full outfit and the good theatrical beard and the top notch suit, then I might be uh, betraying the Santa Claus oath. But uh, my loophole is, yeah, I was just a guy in a cheap. I was just a wrestler in a cheap Santa suit. I wasn't actually portraying the guy, uh, so that's how I, uh, I, I. You know what? Here's the thing. Um, when I did the GWC uh, Game Changer Wrestling GCW, um, Casey, who is my good friend and who does such an amazing job on these videos, was responsible for the Mister in Your House video. Uh, he had me take a photo with his friend Tara. And if you've seen her, she's really a, really a striking young lady. Um, then he would keep me updated. He'd be like, hey, Tara's training to be a wrestler. And her thing is, she's always, and I think we talked about her briefly one other time. Like, it's her dream. Like, this is her dream to be a deathmatch wrestler. This is not something that most, you know, women grow up with a dream of or men. But there's more men who want to do this deathmatch stuff than women. So when I saw that Danny Demento was giving her like a big shot against um, John Wayne Murdoch, who's a decorated and noted uh, deathmatch veteran, I just went back to my first day in the Memphis territory. <laughs> and I think I may have mentioned this in episode, one episode past. I was always just so taken with this angle where two of the, um, the younger talent came out as Jimmy Boogie Woogie Man uh, uh uh, Valiant and Jerry Lawler with the crown and doing the whole J- Jimmy Boogie Woogie Man stuff that I ripped off as Dude Love. 
and it wasn't. And then the real guys came out and and attacked them. So I was always taken with that kind of almost twin magic type thing. So I was like, wait a second, I'm going to be visiting my mom. And all I have to do is change my flight from LaGuardia to Newark, which is like an hour away. And maybe I can, uh, you know, make a little splash and help someone uh, and, and visit my roots in that, uh, you know, that strange subgenre of wrestling. Uh, and so I, I got in touch with Danny. I told him what I wanted to do. And uh, he, you know, uh, Murdoch and I had a nice conversation. Uh, he was all cool with, uh, with it. And uh, I decided to see if I couldn't just make a little bit of a difference, have some fun. And I have to tell you, no matter how long you've been around, you get a big enough pop from a couple hundred people. It sounds like 2,200 can sound like 20,000. And so it was just something fun I wanted to do. Uh, it cost me an hour of my time. And my hope is that it did a little something for, uh, for Tara Zepp, the villain Tara Zepp, and uh, for Danny's promotion. And, uh, you know, it was nice to meet uh, guys like Matt Tremont, who I'd heard about for years. Yeah. We took a nice photo together. So it was fun. Look, I know Deathmatch Wrestling isn't for everyone. And I think there's a rumor out there that I hate it. I don't. I don't. I really admire the people who do it. It's dangerous. It's not for everyone. I don't really. I don't think people should do it. But if it's in their heart and they feel it, and uh, I, re I respect people who go all out in any vocation, including ours. Well, and I'll tell you what, you go all out on cameo. I know you made a lot of people happy at that <laughs> surprise run in, but you can do a surprise run in as a last minute Christmas present. Just in yeah. time for the holiday, right? Oh man. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I do it up. Right. Hey, Conrad, I have to tell you, I sought your counsel and I was like, Conrad, I think, uh, what if I offered two tiers of pricing similar to what you do with, uh, the podcasts and you said, why don't you call the, the cheaper one, a cheap pop. Now the cheap pop at $99 is still much longer than most people's videos. Yes. And then the difference is. With the 24-hour option for 149, you get multiple characters and a, and a Christmas song. Um, but for our listeners only, viewers and listeners, this is only available to our listeners. Yeah, that's right. 25% off with the promo code JOLLY. It's a capital J, uh, small O-L-L-Y, 25 so uh, maybe we can get Dave to do a little quick switcheroonie on that. 25% uh, off. You can't use it with the app, so go to the uh, cameo.com slash Mick Foley. And when you check out, use promo code JOLLY25, capital J, small O, L-L-Y, 25. You get 25% off either your cheap pop or your extended 24-hour version. I think you're going to dig it. And, uh, we got to support Mick because you're in a battle over on cameo right now. You're fighting for your yeah. life. That's the real death match over there. Whew. Foley versus Santos, a battle to the finish. Uh, can I be honest, Conrad? Please do. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't catch, uh, George Santos. Uh, but I just watched the original Rocky and, uh, no one's ever gone the distance with Santos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's like four seriously uh, i'm i'm in number six when i made my play i was at number 11 now keep in mind there's thirty-three thousand people uh, listed as talent on cameo 
So I'm in sixth place. And uh, there's a puppet at number four who just, at five. And then the Santa cameo, uh, you know, it's tough to beat the, you know, the, the Santa guy. Um, but I think if I, we really work hard, you really get behind uh, the mixture. Uh, I might be might be able to get into the top three, but there's no touching Santos at five hundred dollars a pop, and uh, you know riding a wave of <laughs> whatever it is he's riding <laughs> notoriety uh, that there's no way to catch him. But I do enjoy doing them. Uh, people can see that the the cheap pop, which I said was originally going to be sixty to ninety seconds, is always at least you know always in the two minute mark, sometimes longer. And uh, the other ones are, you know, three to four. And I just, I just, I really enjoy doing them. Uh, it's fun, you know, this time of year to wake up. I have the North Pole coffee that someone sent you, remember? Yep. From North Pole, Alaska. Yep. I have a cup of coffee. I Today I had a Zoa drink, too, to help out my friend, uh, Dwayne Johnson. And I just, I love doing these things. I think it shows. It also shows how much you enjoy doing live shows. And I know as we're recording this, you're doing... Your last one of this yeah. tour at Zany's Comedy Club in Nashville. But uh, if you missed your opportunity, don't worry. He will be doing uh, appearances in a town near you. In the month of January, uh, he's going to be in Arizona, in New York, and Atlanta. Uh, in February, he's coming your way, Pensacola. All the details are available now over at realmickfoley.com. That's realmickfoley.com. Uh, go see Mick in person. Get your pictures and autographs and all that jazz. And Man, this is uh, an exciting time for you. I mean, you're making towns and getting in the ring, doing some double arm DDTs, doing some comedy for your new hometown crowd. And Christmas is right well, around know, the, the corner. I'm doing this show is, uh, my wife's never seen the show and you have, and you know that the church it's changed. It changes as you go, but there's three or four core stories that have kind of stayed throughout the thing. And one of my favorite parts is to where in the story about meeting my wife and she's never heard me tell it. So she's there with the two younger kids tonight. Mickey's uh, playing my intro and it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I just want to point out also for people, uh, the, the cameo thing on the uh, 22nd, this premieres on the 22nd, right? Yes. Uh, so uh, 21st day. So premieres tomorrow, a hundred percent of all my cameo proceeds uh, tomorrow go to, um, uh, give kids the world. And, uh, also just so you know, I'm doing up to 10 Santa videos on the 22nd where I'm all done up. And the only thing we ask is if you do share them, don't tag me in it, you know, keep the magic alive, uh, for the little ones, uh, and enjoy it with your friends and family. Um, that you have to pick the 24 hour option. So it'd be 149. Uh, but then you can use your 25% discount. There's only 10 of those, but that should be fun. And, uh, and I'll be able to tell right away if somebody um, is using the discount because it shows up in the price. So I hope a couple of you will jump on that. Uh, just make your request on the 22nd after 12 noon Eastern time. That's a lot of info, but you guys can digest that, right? Cameo.com slash McFoley. Be sure to use that code Jolly25. And if you're listening today, the 22nd, uh, don't forget, you're going to get an opportunity to have Santa make a little appearance. Uh, so yeah, man, listen, our topic today is going to be a fun one, uh, or a challenging one because we're going to talk about an interesting time in your career. You know, we, we touched on, uh, last week's or last month's episode when you won the world title 
the big yeah. crowning achievement. Maybe you're not the number one baby face in the promotion. That's stone cold, but you've got the top title in the entire business. No belt mattered mm-hmm. more than that one. You're at the top of the mountaintop, but you know, a lot of guys, uh, when they think about their goals and in, in their career, sometimes it's like, uh, be careful what you wish for. You know, they're, they're looking for it. They're anticipating it. They finally achieve it. And then it doesn't really fulfill them. Did you feel, how did it feel for you? Did it feel hollow or did you have similar feelings about being the world title? No, no. I loved it. I think, uh, we discussed, uh, maybe last month, the only real drawback to having a title was that every time we went through security at the airport, yep. someone would go, Hank, there's a bandsaw in there. <laughs> be like, it's not a bandsaw. And then they'd have to check your luggage and three times out of four, they'd be like, can I put it on? And, uh, so that was the biggest hassle was, uh, trying to convince uh, security that you didn't have a bandsaw in your bag. I was different because I never, I never sought to win the W, you know, any world title, you know, I, I didn't think I was, uh, I thought I was material for a guy who could challenge for a title, but I never saw myself as a champion. So, uh, I was more than fulfilled just having good feuds and uh, cutting good promos. Uh, but I'll be honest, you know, when uh, that, that title belt was handed to me, I can, call, I can call it a belt here, right? Yeah, of course. Okay. When it was handed to me, yeah, it, it was one of the great moments of my life, but I never took it for granted because I never expected it. And therefore, when I lost it quickly, I was, uh, no, no, I was not disappointed. And I think it's safe to say that, uh, you know, sometimes a career trajectory, you peak with that title. Uh, and some people, maybe you could say, I did peak with that title. Uh, yeah, maybe I did. But I think from a popularity standpoint, 99 after winning that title, the entire year was really a big year for me. Uh, so I had, a, I guess I had a different experience. It didn't ring hollow at all. I loved it. And I think the title belt loved me too. Well, I love that. You would write that you, you sort of felt like, uh, you know, you've got this big opportunity to be the world champion, but you also know that Austin and rock are on a collision course for WrestleMania. Yeah. And you wrote in your second book that, you know, that they had to separate them in order to bring them back again and get them hot again at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So without necessarily using the words, it feels like, you know, Hey, this is going to be a transitional title run. Hey, uh, uh, yeah, I'm a transitional champion, but I am the Bret Hart of transitional champions. (laughs) I think I even said that in a promo with Edge. I'm not sure. I don't think I said it as a Bret Hart. I said I was the greatest transitional champion of all time. But yeah, I was the best transitional champion there is. Uh, Pedro Morales might say, or Ivan Koloff might, uh, you know, the heirs of Ivan Koloff might say otherwise. Um, because he was transitioned between Bruno and, uh, Pedro Morales, but I loved it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm the Bret Hart of transitional champions. The best transitional champion there is best transitional champion. There was best transition champion there ever will be. Well done, sir. Well done. So by now, you know, that Mick and I have spent a lot of time talking about some of these death matches and some of these bloody wars that he had, but you probably also know that that blood was intentional. See, nobody wants to get cut accidentally, but unfortunately, a lot of us do it. If you're using a cheap razor, you're getting those nicks, those cuts, that irritation. 
And I got to tell you, I got pretty annoyed with that whole subscription razor concept a few years ago. I found they just kept stacking up. What I enjoy most about Henson shaving is that it doesn't feel like a gimmick. It feels old school. Seriously, just the actual blade handle itself. Dude, it's metal. It's not some cheap piece of plastic that's going to break on you or frustrate you. This is like, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to last a lifetime, but it feels substantial. It feels like something our grandparents would have used. And at the same time, man, you get a whole pack of these straight razors. Dude, this is old school, but here's what's cool about it. And here's why I believe that you got to meet Henson shaving. They're a family owned aerospace parts manufacturer that's made parts for the international space station and the Mars Rover. And now they're bringing that same technology and engineering to your shaving experience. You see, I've learned that razor blades are like diving boards. The longer the board, the more the wobble, the more the wobble, well, the more nicks, the more cuts, the more scrapes. You see a bad shave isn't a blade problem. It's an extension problem. So by using aerospace grade CNC machines, Henson makes razors that extend just 0 0.0013 inches, which is less than the thickness of a human hair. That means a secure and stable blade with a vibration free shave. It's also got a clog free design. You see this razor has built in channels to evacuate the hair and cream, which makes clogging virtually impossible. Seriously, Henson shaving wants the best razor, not the best razor business. Let me explain. There's no plastic. There's no subscriptions. There's no proprietary blades. There's no planned obsolescence. The Henson razor works with standard old school dual age blades, but it gives you that, that new age, that new school tech. I mean, dude, these folks have made stuff for space. You darn right. They can make stuff for your face. And once you own a Henson razor, it's only like three to five bucks a year to replace the blades. I'm a big believer in this. I was overwhelmed with the value. Seriously, you're going to get more blades than you can imagine. In my first shave, I have to admit, I was a little intimidated. I haven't worked with a straight razor like this before, but dude, it was easy. And I felt like a badass when it was done. I'm going to tell you the design is incredible. The durability is awesome. It's super affordable. My buddy Cassio kid came over to watch the Royal rumble and I had told him about the razor before. And I said, Hey man, I got to show this to you. And I showed him the blade. I showed him the razor. It's, it's something you got to see. I recommend it. It's the most manly thing you can do today. It's time to say no to subscriptions and say yes to a razor that will last you a lifetime. Visit hensonshaving.com forward slash Foley to pick the razor for you and use code Foley and you'll get two years worth of blades free with your razor. Just make sure you add them to your cart. That's 100 free blades. When you head to H E N S O N S H A V I N G dot com slash Foley and use the promo code Foley, hensonshaving.com forward slash Foley. Hey, I want to ask you because you've told us before, you know, the night after WrestleMania 14, as you're getting the beat down put on you, you've been left laying, you've put your body on the line, you and Terry Funk. Fans are chanting for Austin and you felt yeah. like the garnish. You know, you really didn't like the way that made you feel. And now here you yeah. are winning the world title, but you know, it's transitional. How, how does your attitude change where you're, you're okay with that here? Whereas maybe before it hurt your well, feelings. I think the difference was, you know, when I, with the, we, Terry and I had just done a major beatdown, 
And it, you know, in fairness, I mean, the announcer did things say, like, "Hey, coming up, Stone Cold Steve Austin." And okay. So, yeah, uh, but it hurt. You know, what are you going to say? Like, if people, oh, somebody thinks highly of themselves. You can't right. help what your feels. And uh, my gut was hurt at that time. But that I think was specific to the beatdown we'd taken and wanting people to, you know, suspend disbelief, you know, for the sake of me and uh, Terry. Uh, and uh, that's, I think that was a specific thing. I, you know, in any other situation, I don't think I had any problem being the number two or three or four, you know, five. If I started dipping down below that, I might get concerned, but yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty firmly entrenched in that top five, I think. So let's remind everybody the story was at the survivor series of 98. We repeat the Montreal screw job. Vince McMahon right. turns on you. The rock becomes a bad guy. We ring the bell. You didn't quit. You follow right. it up and you win the world title a month later here in Worcester. It's going to air at the very sure. beginning of January. And it I feels sure like we're getting ready to go towards that. I quit match at the Royal rumble. But I think one of the challenges is the rock is so good in this new heel persona. He's got so much charisma. Yeah. It can be difficult to get people to boo him because he's so damn funny and entertaining. Is yeah. this I quit match and showing more of the, the badass version, the brutal, you know, sadistic nature of the rock. I mean, this dark side, is that something we're trying to highlight with this? Do you think? Exactly. Yeah. It's inevitable. People are going to cheer him. You just kind of trying to hold off the inevitable until after WrestleMania, because he was so under, it's hard to really boo him because he's such a gifted entertainer and he makes you smile and laugh or like, but if we can show a vicious, vindictive side, uh, we can hold off the inevitable uh, for at least a few months. It's pretty fun to think about because you wrote in your book, I wanted this to be a real I quit match. I wanted there to be a definite winner and a definite loser. I wanted the fans to see a side of the rock that they could truly despise. I also wanted to explore the devastating effects, not so much physical, but mental that such a match would have on a guy who built his reputation and career on not giving up. Even as the loser of this proposed match, I had no doubt that if it was done right, I could, I could eventually emerge from the scenario more over with the crowd than ever. Uh, we've heard that saying before in wrestling, it's not who goes over, but who gets over. How do you remember yeah. this whole, I quit concept becoming a thing? Is this your idea? Does the writing team bring it to you and you, you, you co-sign or. Yeah, I think when it comes to I quit, I think it was I think it was my idea because I had loved uh, match with Terry Funk, did with uh, with Ric Flair, loved the I quit with uh, Tully and Magnum, um, and wanted to try to you know uh, do justice to them, and uh, and then like I said, uh, find a way to reveal this uh, vicious side of Rock that I thought would serve him well going into Mania. At this point, did you already have in mind call that being at ringside or, or when does that become real? Well, yeah. The original idea, and I, we may have talked about this in the past. The original idea was that, um, I was going to look at it, the crowd after the fifth chair shot and see my wife and kids and quit for their sake. My worry was that my kids, when they got to the kids, they weren't going to be concerned about dad because right. I told them for years that I was just playing 
and uh, you know that I never got hurt. And Rock could talk to them earlier in the night to say he would never do anything to hurt your dad. And so I thought, wow, that you know the the risk here is that they show my wife and kids, and they're not concerned. Now, anyone who saw Beyond the Mat knows that absolutely was not the case. Right. And if I had known that, you know, yeah, if you're going to be a dad, you're going to make mistakes. You might as well have your biggest one on uh, on camera. And that was a big mistake. Uh, it was told to me by uh, you know Vince Russo that uh, no, we're changing the plans um, because uh, people from USA Network are going to be there. They don't want to see anything. You know, uh, they thought that was too emotionally uh, powerful, and so we came up with the secondary plan, uh, which is what uh, unveiled that night there in uh, in Anaheim. Secondary plan was uh, the recording. So even though I wanted to have the definitive uh, winner and loser, when plan A was taken away from me, uh, you know, I came up with the plan B and I think it was pretty good because to this day, every once in a while, I have someone who will say, did you really say I quit? Or is that a recording? I was like, yeah, it was, it was a recording. So I thought it was pretty inventive. Now, if you go back in time, I think one or two Raws after that match, WWE did do that same thing with Rock and Hunter, where it was China, I believe, who was uh, uh, at risk, and Hunter quit for her sake. Um, so they did use that. I thought it would have been powerful, but it didn't get done. And uh, uh, for better or worse, the way we did it was powerful. Uh, no doubt about it, it was powerful. I regret that, uh, you know, it went overboard, and it did, excessive. Uh, I don't think we need to see that type of match ever again. But it did get the uh, premise across that uh, Rock had this vicious, ruthless side to him. No doubt about that. I mean, people viewed The Rock totally different. You can uh, actually watch the reaction from Mick's family and the effect it had when you check out the movie Beyond the Mat. We've covered that entire film over at foliuspod.com in the archives, but let's talk about a piece of the more controversial, uh, side of the match. The idea of you being handcuffed. Yeah. Um, I know that this is something that you have tinkered with before and handcuffs aren't exactly new to wrestling, but it was sort of accepted. Or the Foley bedroom. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, the, that's, the, the handcuffs. Not my bag, Daddy. Just uh, if it is your bag, good on you. But it's not my bag. Just it's just a cheap pop. We love cheap pops here on the program. Talk to me about the handcuffs. Was anybody concerned about those, or was did everybody see the logic in it right up front? Well, you know, I've done it uh, in uh, in ECW in my match with Shane Douglas, and it was at a four year. Uh, if you know, it's only three years later. I think three years later that we did it with The Rock, but that's like a world of difference, right? It's not like we're doing the Midnight Rider over again. It's a right. and and, I, and with all due respect to, to you know the, the diehard ECW base, like you know, an audience of many fold will see this. Yes, and I just thought attacking a defenseless man. I mean, they have rules in uh, NFL to protect defenseless people, and. Uh, I wanted people to really feel for me. And this is where 
again, the, my desire to bring out this brutal side of the rock comes in because no doubt about it, he proved it. It's just that I didn't realize how, when, once you put your hands behind your back, now I'm not a certified kinesiologist, but uh, as soon as that first shot hit me, it felt like a lightning bolt going through my body all the way down to my toes. And what I gather from that is, I forgot how much your body's give can help you. And I'm not advocating anybody getting hit in the head with a chair ever again. Like I think, you know, um, we're, we, we, we're past that. I'm not saying maybe once in a great while, there's not a time and a place for it, but once in a great, great while, but, uh, uh it hurts so much worse than I ever could have believed. Um, and, uh, I'll tell you what, in post, I'll give you guys, uh, a look at the chair. I mean, it's, it's still got my, uh, blood on it. Still got uh, strands of hair on it. Still got my uh, blood all over it. Um, and it's dented almost. There's a huge one, just skull shaped in the top of the chair. Um, and I just didn't realize how badly it was going to hurt. And because it hurt so badly, I could not sell it as I would have normally sold it, uh, sold the chair shot. So therefore, the number of shots uh, that was supposed to be five, uh, more than doubled to 11. Yeah, uh, rocks went up to 11 that night. And uh, yeah, it was a good idea on paper. I would say uh, in reality, it was far too graphic. And again, not something uh, I, I think should ever be seen in wrestling again. The plan at the time was for you to disappear for a few weeks after this match, but the company's so <laughs> yeah. hot that of course, well, that means we got to go produce more content. Halftime heat is going to become a thing and you and rock are maybe the biggest story going at the time. So that's what'll be featured as a reminder. Halftime heat is going to be something you can do during the super bowl. So if you don't want to watch yeah. whatever cheesy concert is going to happen on the field during the super bowl, switch over to USA and watch halftime heat, uh, a match in an empty arena with yourself and the rock before we talk about that and how it all came to be, <laughs> I want to mention that somewhere in here, Vince McMahon has a meeting with the television critics association. And as a result, the head of the USA network is taking a ton of heat for the content yeah. on the show. Of course, right. this is knee deep in the attitude era. People are being very critical of thinking that this was supposed to be for children. And now there's all this risque content, whether it's words or gestures or women or what have you. So the head of USA defends the company and even mentions that he's taking his nine-year-old son to sit ringside. Yeah. I imagine that affects what you're going to be doing on the program. I, I understand uh, you got a call from Vince Russo. Do you remember this? Yeah. Not a drop of blood. And I'm like, Vince, I got like, whatever it was, eight or nine stitches in my skull. Like that thing was ready to go. So we filmed it only a couple days after, uh, uh, the I quit match. So I don't know how many, uh, it was in, uh, Arizona. Uh, I, I'm not sure how many, how much time elapsed between when we filmed it and when it aired, but, uh, I've used this, uh, simile before, I believe it's a simile that I was uh, wrapped up with as much gauze as Boris Karloff in the original universal mummy movie, because we couldn't see a drop of blood. And, you know, I mean, we're going to have a physical, it's a cinematic match. I don't know if it's, it's not the first cinematic match, but 
maybe the first, I don't know if it's the first one in WWE. I don't know. I say it's not the first because I, IWA Japan had done a few cinematic matches in a house and in a sauna uh, where they filmed them scene by scene. Um, but it's definitely different. And, uh, you know, it was not nearly as violent as uh, as uh, I quit. But I think Rock made up for it with his, uh, you know, his humor and his... <laughs> I just want to point out, that's the biggest star in the world. And he is underneath a pallet of beer kegs. It's hilarious. You know what? After I win the title, I get my arm up. And then as I'm walking away, I hear Vince or someone say, Rock, we're just going to do a couple of cutaway shots. And I'm thinking to myself, we shouldn't have cutaway shots because they're not going to look realistic. But I've just won the WWE title. Like, I'm I'm not in a position to complain about anything. And sure enough, if you look back at the reaction shots, the kind of they're awful. Yeah, they're awful. <laughs> they're, com- they're pretty comical. Uh, but again, when you've got the WWE title in your hands, you're not complaining about much. All right, let's run a timeout right now. Of course, my tag team partner here, Dave Silva, and I are going to tell you a little bit about Zbiotics. I mean, let's just be honest. Uh, I run a tight ship over here. Uh, in, in podcast land. And I require that I have Dave Silva on top of his game. Now, when I first met Dave Silva, man, it was rough. You know, I knew if we were going to hang out and fellowship the next morning, he wasn't going to be worth nothing. Just a worthless pile of silver. That's what he was. But now thanks to our friends at Zbiotics, I make sure that I'm getting maximum return on my investment in Dave Silva. See, I have him start with Zbiotics and then go enjoy a few cocktails and, uh, or as he calls it, cervezas. Either way, here's the deal. I discovered this almost by accident. I remember years ago, Eric Bischoff and I were a podcast movement. We had just gotten Zbiotics as a sponsor pending our approval. So we thought, Hey, well, we'll try it before we have a few drinks tonight. We did. And we were on stage the next morning on top of our game. It's a game changer. I mean, let's just be honest. As we get older, we got to make choices in life. We got to say, we got to quote unquote, grow up, right? Is it worth having a bad tomorrow to have a fun tonight? And more often than not, most of us say, ah, ah, well, now you don't have to make that choice. Zbiotics allows you to enjoy tonight, drink responsibly, of course, but make sure that we're on top of our game tomorrow morning. I love it. You will too. Let me explain how it works. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut where you need it most. So drink Zbiotics before drinking, drink responsibly, and enjoy the night with confidence. I'm telling you, I'm a true believer in this. You will be too. Savor the moment. Let Zbiotics do the rest. Go right now to zbiotics.com Foley to get 15% off your first order when you use the code Foley at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash Foley and use the code Foley at checkout for 15% off. 
And we thank you Zbiotics for sponsoring today's episode. You mentioned, uh, you weren't sure how far apart they were. They were two days apart. The Royal Rumble's oh, on a Sunday. Yeah. You do a live Monday night raw. And then of course on Tuesday, you're still taping raw here. So yeah. right after Royal Rumble, which uh, went down in Anaheim, the, the live raw is in Phoenix. The taped raw is in Tucson. So, uh, on the 26th of January in front of nearly 7,000 fans, it was sold out there at the convention center in Tucson. That's where you would tape the empty arena match 17 minutes and 19 seconds. Um, how was the rock doing a, uh, an empty arena match? Oh, he was great, but hold on. Let me just, uh, uh, just go back to the point that I was supposed to be off for three weeks. Yes. So. The mindset goes from, yeah, your dad took a beating, uh, but we're going to Disney tomorrow yes. to, hey, we already went to Disney. We already had a great time. Your dad took a beating, and now you're catching the red eye home, and I'm going to be on, you know, and I'm going to be on TV tomorrow. So it was a different type of mindset. The funny thing is, I was the guy who suggested the empty arena match, and then Rock calls me about two or three days before the match. This is one of those rare uh, Foley curse words, but it really isn't a good story without the Rock's exact phraseology. And he goes, uh, yeah, Mick, uh, this is uh, Rock. I watched the match. This is Terry Funk and Lawler um, in the empty arena match in Memphis. And I go, yeah. And he goes, it's a shits. <laughs> no, it's a classic. He goes, no. Rock says, no, it's the shits. <laughs> and I watch it back and I'm like, it is terrible. It's just, it's just the spectacle of Terry <laughs> saying words that you never heard on uh, a wrestling. Before. Yes, I mean Terry was really in the zone, but as far as a the match, they didn't do much, and it, it leaves it with my eye, Lawler. You blank, blank, blank. My eye. I mean, I'm sure you've heard Bruce Pritchard say "my eye" a hundred oh, times. Of course, yes, <laughs> probably more, and so. Uh, I can't remember whose idea it was. I wouldn't, it would not have been me to say, Hey, let's do a cinematic match. But that was, uh, what was presented to us. And on one hand, I was like, I don't know if I want to do a match that's filmed like a movie, but on the other hand, uh, Hey, why not try something different? I know we were trying to attract viewers who had never seen the show. Vince announced it in that way, you know, kind of like, doing a combined play-by-play and explanation of what people are seeing, if that makes sense for the, for the new fans who might be tuned in. And rock was just on fire. Really. He was, uh, I took a beating, uh, and I thought that was the right story for the show because I'm going to come out, uh, victorious. And, uh, I think the highlight was just him, uh, with great phraseology, you know, like, uh, you know, he took a drink of Jack Daniels and having grown up, you know, with his dad listening to country music, he did the David Allen co-line, Jack Daniels, if you please knock me to my knees. He put the hand in the uh, oven. So he was really on fire from a comedic standpoint. This is a, a crazy few days. I mean, if you watch the movie, we know that you uh, left a voicemail where it doesn't sound like you were, maybe you had all your faculties after that right. unbelievable yeah. beating yeah. at the Royal rumble. Of course, you know, you said earlier, we never want to see a chair shot to the head again in wrestling. It's unnecessary. And you know, we just didn't know what we know now. Yeah. But how long do you think it was before you, I mean, it sounds like you were having a really hard time. Are you moving around pretty good or are you, is all this uh, still kind of a blur? Uh, 
You know, 99 was where I really started paying the cost for everything I'd done beforehand. I was in a lot of pain, and uh, my way of anesthetizing the pain was with food. You know, it's it's it was so difficult for me. You know, you're traveling the country and the billboards every stop. It would be like if somebody had a big drug problem and there was like a heroin next stop, you know. Uh, except for me, it was uh, comfort food. So I was piling on some weight to, you know, to deal with the pain. And um, then when my knees started giving me a lot of trouble, you see, I think I've talked about this before. If I had to go back and change one thing about my career it would be that when I really got over, like really got over, I could have been any weight. Like uh, I thought I needed to be 280 going in to, you know, be believable against The Undertaker. But if I dropped down to 250, no one would have thought less of me or the character. And instead, I went the other direction, up as high as like 320 towards, uh, you know, the end of 99. And it was really tough for my knees. And then when my knees started giving me trouble, I started leading with my head. Uh, we did, Like you said, we didn't know as much then as we do now. Now, I will say this. That if you watch the whole movie Beyond the Mat, I think I'm speaking better now than I did then. I think yes. even before the uh, the cell match, I was showing some signs of uh, some head trauma. And uh, so just last night when I was doing the cameos, you know, one of the things, uh, I, I promise we'll get back to the match, but there really is a point here. One of the things I really love doing is when someone announces their uh, big gift is going to Mania or going to the Rumble. And in this case, it was uh, tell this child. <laughs> I guess his brother was excited about going to the Day of the Dead convention in Atlanta. And I was breaking the news to the child that, hey, this isn't just for Charlie. I'm going to be there, too. And I did it in rhyme to the tune of White Christmas, the uh, white, uh, the Drifters instrumental version. And uh, after I was done, Mickey goes, Dad, did you just make that up as you were doing it? I said, yeah, I said, uh, yeah, what do you think? Is that pretty impressive? Because, yeah, mom says it's really good for you. And I said, what? She goes, you know, creating the songs, doing the videos, like it really uh, doing the stand, you know, I don't call them stand up, but the live stories. It's like really uh, gymnastics for the brain. And so even though I sometimes talk about just retiring and leaving and leading a quiet life, I think the truth is like I need that stimulation because I did take a lot of damage and I think it's really encouraging that if you do keep exercising your mind, you uh, can get better. But uh, I am worried about what happens when I slow down and don't have that outlet. So I imagine I'll at least keep my toe in the water, even if I don't uh, dive in the deep end. Uh, but uh, I, again, going back to the point, I do think that I'm doing better than I was then, even before the, uh, the chair shots from the rock. Talking about the rumble match, you know, is or there even before the set? I'm sorry, even before the voice message with Barry Blaustein, the, um, the match itself from the Royal rumble. Do you remember much of that now? Yeah. Yeah. Unlike, uh, the cell where there were parts that, you know, weren't clear to me for years. I remember every bit of the rumble. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every, every second of it. Talk to me about the, uh, the stunt explosion where you take the big bump on what I guess are a bunch of circuit boards. Yeah. 
Hey, it looked like I was dropping an elbow off of there. And I think my son Huey has made it clear it didn't look like a bump, but like me doing a move onto the boards. But Huey can be a little tough on me for anyone to watch Holy Foley. Hey, that was just, I mean, that was my idea. Uh, uh, I give i give credit where it's due, right? Uh, I mean, I'm very quick to praise Vince Russo, but I believe the circuit boards were my idea. And I just uh, wanted that impression that the match was ending. I think the lights went dark. It makes for a great uh, montage in the Beyond the Mat, but I wasn't thinking Beyond the Mat when I suggested it. And if it wasn't my idea, I apologize, but I think it may have been my idea. I think it was my idea. So you have a cut going into it. You're going to get busted open again. You're going to get handcuffed. You're going to get uh, a rock bottom, a, an elbow, a people's elbow on the chair. Um, there's a lot of brutality here, but the thing that gets glossed over because everybody focuses on the chair shots, I think you dislocated your jaw from a rock clothesline. Is that right? Did I write that? I believe so that you, that you had yeah. a dislocated jaw from a clothesline in the match. And then that's when the big uh, people's elbow with the chair happens. And then 11 chair shots. And there's been lots of rumor and innuendo over the years that this is more than what was agreed upon. And. Maybe there was some hurt feelings after because maybe somebody didn't follow wrestler etiquette. How much of that is real and how much of that is just water under the well, bridge? First, I don't remember the jaw dislocation, but I will say this. Uh, once Francois Petit was around, a uh, dislocated jaw was quickly put back into place. It wasn't something like when I dislocated my jaw previously, I didn't even know that was what was wrong. And it would take weeks to feel better. I guess it would, you know, click back into place. But Francois was able to look like a Three Stooges thing. But I'll be darned if it was like I can move my mouth, I can chew. Um, there were, you know, the, the, like I said, the first shot came in, and it was so much different than a chair shot that I'd uh, imagined, so that a, I couldn't sell it in the same way. And therefore, instead of five being the final shot, I wasn't even out of the ring yet. Um, and so it did turn out to be 11. I mean, I just want to quick, quickly gloss over the hurt feelings uh, because they, they're not relevant today. I just, you know, love The Rock. Uh, you know, I think he is a great person doing great things. Consider him a, a dear friend. Uh, but my feelings were hurt. And then, in, but instead of talking about it right away, I did what I thought was best, which was hold on to it emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> or a promo when in truth I could probably do like a 98% promo by pretending to be angry at the rock. And it's something that we eventually did talk about and came away with a even better understanding and a better friendship. And so, uh, look, if you're, and I found out it was much more valuable to, uh, hold a grudge against someone like, uh, Al Snow, uh, which I do to this day, even though I will be at their big, uh, pay-per-view event, I think it's January 6th. Uh, I will be there and I'll be overseeing some uh, talent, I believe. Just checking out things and, uh, you know, showing my support for OVW. Let's talk about the, uh, the I quit match and the fallout. Meltzer would say after the Hell in a Cell spectacle back in uh, Pittsburgh in June, about 80% of the calls that Dave got were about your performance and maybe 20% were concerned about your well being. But this time after this beating in the I quit match at the Royal rumble, about 90% of the calls were about the punishment that you took. Mm -hmm. 
and people were upset at what they called or considered to be the quote unquote, lack of common sense, rather than empathizing for you in the punishment that you took, I guess Meltzer's trying to paint that he felt like this went too far. You acknowledge that it went too far too, but I find it ironic that the reason we went too far is because we didn't want to take the easy way. We said no blood. We didn't want to do blood. We wanted to tone down the violence. And the no, result- we did have blood. the I quit. We had a lot of blood. It was the uh, it was the uh, halftime heat. Halftime heat where we had the edict, no blood whatsoever. I um, I'm just fascinated by the idea that in an era where we're trying to, you know, respond to some of this criticism that it's too violent. I mean, we're on the heels of one of the most brutal things ever. And Meltzer's just out front for it. And he says, I'd bet pennies to the dollars. There's going to be a financial payoff for it, but I don't know, man, in in hindsight, you know, we've talked about some of your prouder moments. Is this one of the regrets? Do you regret doing the, I quit? Well, I don't regret doing the, I quit. I regret that, uh, I guess I, in some ways I do. I mean, it was still a good match. It told a good story. Yes. Got, uh, the point across about the rock, uh, and the vicious streak. Maybe we could have done it differently. Uh, I, you know, we already talked about the intangibles. I didn't think my kids were going to believe that I was hurt because I told them so many times I never got hurt. Uh, and then the fallout was that, uh, especially when 2020 did their story, on me and make it look like I was on my last legs that instead of trying to defend the business and sticking up for how much of it was real in this case, I'm like, Hey, it's not always that bad. Like there was <laughs> two matches. They're not all like that. I'd have strangers come up and tell me they were praying for me. So we did get, Hey, look, we got carried away. It was a mistake. Uh, I shouldn't have had my kids there. Uh, if, if the kid, if in retrospect, the children were there, we should have, I should have done a completely different finish. I, I could have said I quit. It wouldn't, I mean, I, I don't think it would have hurt me. I could have had the same type of, uh, you know, uh, crisis of confidence that I ended up having in 2004 with Randy Orton when I chickened out of the match. Uh, and I did say I quit like seven times in my match with Rick at uh, SummerSlam 2006, and that didn't seem to hurt me. So no. a lot of things I could have done differently. But uh, so, yeah, yeah, I don't know how many times I can say that. I would have done things differently. I appreciate people's concern. But they weren't so much concerned as they were mad at me for not having common sense. It's a little weird, isn't it? Like, uh, you know, I, I, I'm wondering how Vince felt about this. You've told us before that Vince came to you after the hell in the cell match and told yeah. you how thankful he was for what you did for the company, but that he never right. wanted to see it again. What was your conversation like with Vince when the well, Royal Rumble was over? That the, uh, rumble was not that my match with rock was not on last. The rumble was yes. So now Vince is in the ring for the first time and rock has to play a role in that match. So if Vince didn't have a match immediately after my conversation with him would have been much different because he was still kind of enjoying that post-match glow. You know, I mean, the, 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 the training sequence that he and Shane did, I mean, it was just incredible stuff, like really incredible. And rock had to be out there for the ending of that match. 
So if it had been a different, if it had been the match, relax, come back, I have no doubt that Vince probably would have chewed me out and said he never wants to see anything like that again, again, and that Rock would have been there by my side. But, uh, you know, there was another hour to go in the show. So, uh, again, it wasn't my greatest moment, but you can't claim that I wasn't working hard for the team. No doubt about that. Especially to know two days later is when you're doing this empty arena match. I know you've been close with uh, Terry Funk and Jerry Lawler for a long time. I know that you've said before and earlier today that the rock had the company send him <laughs> a tape of the match. Did you talk to Terry or Lawler before this? To just get advice? I talked to Terry. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how I phrased it. Like, what am I supposed to say? Uh, that what, what happened? That match wasn't as good as I thought. That's my fault, not his. And Terry's like, oh, of course, Cactus, it was awful. Uh, and just, just, you know, one thing I'm looking forward to tonight is, is the last time I tell the Terry Funk in Japan story, which is one of my favorites. You know, the Cactus, where are you? I just love, I just love telling that story, and I love like having Terry's presence there with me. Um, but yeah, I never talked to Jerry about the match, but I did talk to Terry about it right after I talked to rock again, to call up somebody <laughs> express that their match, I don't know. It's a useless thing. Like it serves no purpose to call him up and, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, chastise him for a match, not being as good as I remembered it being. You and I've talked before about how difficult it must've been to be a professional wrestler in the pandemic era, but you kind of got that experience here with this empty arena match, no crowd, just Vince McMahon following along, doing commentary. You get to have some fun with it though. Rock arrives in a limo. You're showing you got a guy in a 73 Pinto dropping you off and you're wrapped up in all the bandages. I mean, this is, uh, this is a lot of fun. Just 48 hours later. What do you remember of that day? It is. I'm really, I'm really sore. I was really sore from that, uh, uh, the I quit match and I'd be even more sore, uh, following this because I did take a pretty good beating. Uh, and it was just, it was, you know, I mean, it was, there was some fun character building stuff. Like you said, uh, rock in the limo, me and the Pinto. And then even when I tried to commandeer and successfully commandeered the forklift, I did say, please. Vince was like, please, like, you know, the wrestling way is just throw somebody out of there. And I like, please, can I please have that? So yeah, there was some fun stuff in there. Most of it coming from the rock, but I thought it was a pretty good character builder for me as well. Naked mind yoga plus Pilates is a brand new fitness and wellness studio owned and founded by Brandy Rhodes. The physical studio in Roswell, Georgia offers yoga and Pilates reformer classes plus childcare for clients all under one roof. That is truly unique. And it makes Naked Mind the only yoga or Pilates studio of its kind in the entire Atlanta area. For those of you who aren't local to the Atlanta area, Naked Mind has an app. You can get moving with yoga and Matt Pilates classes led by Brandy and a hand-picked group of established yoga and Pilates instructors. It's a fantastic way to try yoga and get into a new fitness and wellness program. Yoga is good for the mind and the body making it one of the leading wellness practices in the world today. You can find the Naked Mind app on Apple and Android devices and enjoy $10 off your first month or retail when you use the code CONRAD10. Naked Mind plus Pilates online at NakedMindStudio.com. That's NakedMindStudio.com. 
This is a 20 minute long segment here that does a 6.59 rating on the USA mm-hmm. network. It does a 9.3 share, making it the single most watched WWF wrestling match from start to finish ever on cable. There's been some brief overrun segments that have done better to this day, to this day at that point, that was the, that was the record. It was the highest rated television show on USA in 11 years at that point. Um, uh, it's a 20 minute segment, 18 minutes of action, mostly brawling all around the arena. Meltzer would say, uh, Vince McMahon did the commentary and believe correctly. So that much of the audience would be curious channel switchers yeah. who weren't familiar with the WWF and the two men and commented along those lines. Still, there's a reason movie fight scenes are usually limited to about two minutes because much of this match got redundant and the commentary was too preachy and condescending about what the WWF is trying to portray itself as and who the characters are. So I'm curious, did you, is this something where you go sit down and watch the final version with your family during the super bowl or no, no, because I was hustling to try to make it home. I was actually, I actually watched it in the airport during a layover. And it's pretty telling that, uh, you know, when I came up, I said, Hey, can we watch you? You know, literally halftime of the Super Bowl when uh, my flight lands and I go running over the closest bar. I said, can you put the WWE on? And so we had a bunch of people in there who were not familiar with WWE, but they were selling, you know, what we were doing up until the huge bag of popcorn, which, you know, rock sold, you know, almost Owen Hart, like, you know, yes. with the knees buckling. And then right away, the suspension of disbelief was over as these fans, you know, just not fans, football fans, but, Oh, come on. Popcorn wouldn't hurt. So, uh, look, it, it was, a, you know, you're trying something different. Uh, you learn from your mistakes. Uh, WWE has, has gone on to do some incredible cinematic things. Uh, they can be a lot of fun. And this one was fun. But, uh, yeah, as far as the redundancy, uh, I guess it's all, all valid. But I still think it made quite an impression on people who watched it. And most people are only going to remember, you know, rock being funny and the ending of the match to be quite frank. The things that uh, Meltzer remembered are at one point rock, taking a, a drink of the Jack Daniels and Vince claiming it's not real liquor. Uh, <laughs> rock would never drink liquor. Right? Yes. Yes. And, and then, uh, Meltzer would say it ended up backstage with the food and the guys selling shots for the razor sharp popcorn. Uh, finally, they end up in the back of the building. Mankind drops a forklift with beer kegs onto rock's chest with the cameras, not showing the obvious lack of impact and mankind jumps on top for the pin and the second title reign. But the thing that stands out the most to me is the, the bump you took down the stairs. I mean, it was like 40 yeah. rows of seats. You're doing this just two days after the Royal rumble. My goodness, man, the, uh, Rank that for me on the reward risk reward ratio. I mean, that has to hurt like a son of a gun to go down all those stairs. Yeah. I mean, the key to a good stair bump, and I'm not condoning this again for anyone is that you want to get going so fast that you're not really making that much impact with any of the stairs. So I'll take you back to the Georgia mountain center where they had like four flights of stairs in the corner of the building, all going down a big wide stairway, you know, at least 12 feet wide. And, uh, I had a match that night. Uh, this is uh, Gainesville, Georgia, not Florida, Georgia Mountain Center. And Dusty starts reminiscing, gets as far away. Look, he goes, 
I remember this time I'm wrestling Harley Race at the Tampa Armory, and we go up to the top of that bleachers, and I give Harley a shot, and he just tumbled the ass over tea kettle all the way down. Then he turns to me and says, I'm not saying I want you to do that. And I look at him and I go, I can do that bump, Dream. I can do that bump. And it wasn't until I was on my way home, because I lived in Atlanta, where I was like, he knew I was going to say that. Like, he wanted me to say that. And so that bump, uh, because I was going super fast, uh, didn't hurt as much as the one where I got all tumbled and tangled. Like, yeah, I, I was hurting for, a, you know, at least a week after the uh, empty arena match. And it's and it's worse when there's no crowd there, you know, when you don't have the, uh, the, the crowd really adds to the adrenaline. Well, you're going to get your second world title win here at this point. Both of them have been taped, but you won the world title in December. You win it again in January. I think it's going to air in February, but you're a two-time WWE champion. And that leads us to a last man standing match at St. Valentine's day massacre, but you're not in the main event. Once again, it's stone cold, Steve Austin and Vince McMahon in a cage match. Um, Last man standing. Is that a good blow off considering all that's happened with you guys in your story so far? Well, it was, you know, it was supposed to be the blow off. And then we ended up having a match, uh, on raw the next night. Um, yeah, this is where they made the decision not to do the triple threat, uh, with me, Steve and rock and to do, uh, uh, a singles main event with Steve and rock. Um, so going into last man standing that, uh, Rocky two finish made sense. If I'd known I, you know, one day later, if I'd known I wasn't going to be in the main event, I would have put him over cleanly so that he'd be as strong as possible going into, uh, mania with Steve. Let's talk about how you're all over Sunday night heat. You were just before the Royal rumble. Of course, that's where they got you to say the words, I quit and then played it back yeah. against you. But here before St. Valentine's day massacre, they're doing some silly segments with Bob Backlund, iron Sheik, and your old pal, Dominic Danucci. Yeah. What can you tell us about these, uh, these segments? You know, uh, a heat was, uh, that was a handy tool to have right before the pay-per-view to try to get last minute buys. But uh, just a month before I, you know, they wanted me to have a heat match with, uh, uh, viscera. And I thought that was just a bad idea, you know, because, you know, your big reaction uh, should be for the pay-per-view, not the, you know, the secondary show. Um, so that's uh, one of those times where, I, you know, we really, really insisted that something not take place just so, for the sake of the, the main event match. And this one um, remind me of the subject, Conrad. Well, the skits, Dominic Danucci, Bob oh, Backlund, Sheiky yeah, Baby. Yeah, you know, I mean, the skits, <laughs> that's not, wouldn't have been my choice to get ready for a really serious match, but they were fun. You know, Bob says, uh, don't exacerbate me. And I said, I would never exacerbate before a big match. <laughs> and Bob said, nobody, nobody should. And, you know, the Sheik, you know, that was fun. And Dominic, where he's like, uh, one day, Mickey, you were going to be the champion. And I look at him, I go, I am the champion. I love that. <laughs> I am the, one day. I am the champion. So I remember it being fun. I don't think it helped a lot, but I don't think it hurt. The segments end with Backlund insisting you run the stairs to get ready, but the rock blindsides you. And instead of oh, nailing yeah. you with 15 chair shots, he's going after your knee. The idea being, 
How can you win a last man standing match? If you can't actually stand, I can't stand. That's right. So, uh, he did focus a lot of his, uh, offense in the match on that knee, uh, and included, uh, you know, him throwing the stairs. <laughs> I mentioned, I think in the second book that, uh, you know, a lot of my, you know, creative ideas had been co-opted. You would see them show up in uh, WCW, uh, you know, even guys in Japan, uh, were, doing a few things, but uh, yeah, I look, I took the double arm DDT from Kobashi. I took the leg drop over the bottom rope from Johnny Ace. So it's not like we don't all borrow from each other, which is fine. Um, but in this case, uh, nobody ever did the, Hey, let's do that stairs, you know, where the guy throws them over the top rope onto your knee. Uh, I was really hurting. I can't remember if I had a knee issue going into it, um, and wanted to, uh, exacerbate that or if, uh, it was injured during the match, but I know, you know, it was hurting for sure afterwards. Let's, uh, let's mention that this is a fun match here at St. Valentine's day massacre. Maybe this is one of the forgotten matches, but we do see the rock singing SmackDown hotel in Memphis. He gets the Saco <laughs> claw. Uh, you, you did mention it. In- place down at the end of jabroni drive it's hilarious <laughs> hilarious um and that's one of the things rock touched on during his heartfelt three and a half minute voice message to me a couple nights ago was how much fun we had and the uh uh he specifically mentioned singing country roads in uh in uh west virginia which was a great experience as well you mentioned in your book that the finish to this match changed several times. You sort of alluded to that earlier. The idea being it was originally supposed to be at WrestleMania, a three-way dance, rock Austin yep. and mankind at WrestleMania. So we needed to, as you said, quote unquote, screw the people. Actually, if anyone felt ripped off after the match, what we had, then they can feel free to screw themselves. But I still felt funny <laughs> about our inconclusive ending. This is where my one necessary headshot comes in. Do you remember the Rocky two finish? Good. Now substitute <laughs> chairs for boxing gloves and substitute me for Creed and Rocky for, um, Rocky. And you've got our finish simultaneous chair shots that knocked us both out. That's pretty good. Do you remember That's who deserves it. credit for the simultaneous chair shot finish? Well, Rocky two, which I just saw with my son, Huey wanted to start rewatching the Rocky movies. So we watched uh, the original. Three nights ago, Rocky two, two nights ago. But um, actually, that finish, now, you never know. I mean, I don't know if Stallone knew that uh, Jimmy Walker had done it in a boxing movie called Let's Do It Again as Bootney Farnsworth. But when I saw Let's Do It Again after Rocky two, knowing that Let's Do It Again had been, you know, uh, to come out before that, I was like, that's that's the Rocky two finish. So it wasn't completely fresh, but I thought it was a pretty cool take. And I don't know if I'd ever seen a double knockout in uh, WWE or pro wrestling before. Uh, the observer would give this match three and three quarter stars. You guys get 21 minutes and 54 seconds. Um, I mean, after this is over, you've got to feel like you're on cloud nine, right? I mean, this is the February pay-per-view you just had, you know, maybe arguably the most recognizable year of your career with, you know, the cage match, the hell in the cell. And then of course, winning the world title, even if it is taped, but you were in the main event in the last match at survivor series, 
You've got this, uh, I quit match in January halftime. heat most watched ever in WWE history. And now the February pay-per-view another match with the rock. And you're told, Hey man, three-way dance, WrestleMania. You've got to feel like, dude, I've checked every box here in the WWE, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was feeling elated. I mean, I was banged up. My kids were there and they were there the next day, which I think we're going to get to. Uh, are we going to discuss that, uh, uh, yeah. match? I want to talk yeah. about your, your knee because you wrote that your knee was in really bad shape from this match, but it wasn't just your knee. You wrote in your book while my knee was being mended in one room, my career was being upended in another where a decision was made to scrap me from the WrestleMania main event. It seems to me that some people thrive on controversy as well as dissension. <laughs> Former wrestler, Shawn Michaels, not only seemed to thrive on it, but seemed to have a genuine talent at creating it, which he did on this day by convincing all parties involved that the WrestleMania main event had to be a one-on-one -on -one contest. Sean had main evented several manias and believed the integrity of the event would be hurt by a three-way match. Ironically, Sean was actually pushing for me to remain in the match, but was outvoted. Instead, I was asked to drop the belt to the rock in a ladder match later on that night's raw and saw my WrestleMania dream disappear. Wow. So on the one hand, I've always thought you might have hurt feelings about Sean and his stance that this should have been mono mono, but I didn't know he actually wanted you to be one of them. He was suggesting perhaps <laughs> the rock shouldn't have been in that match. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, you know, I think I've said before, and Sean will admit there was a bad Sean and, uh, a good you know, Sean, a good Sean who's been, uh, you know, so valuable to death. Of course he was valuable. WWE is bad Sean too. Um, but he really believed it had to be a singles match. And then we would see how many times since 99 or since 2000 has there been a three-way as a main event, at least five times, right? Well, it was a four-way the very next year. Yeah. Four-way the next year. Right. And then Sean was in a, an amazing three-way dance at, at one of the mania. Oh, four. Yeah. Oh, four. Yeah. So it definitely can be done and has been done, but he believes sincerely that it had to be the singles match. And yeah, yeah, I went. And that's the whole reason why uh, Vince put me in the four ways, you know, even though I just retired jumping ahead to the Hell in a Cell 2000 because he really wanted to give me that opportunity. And I'm glad, you know, I mean, I did, you know, feel like a hypocrite and even address that. I said, I'm not going to be one of these guys who, prostitute myself by coming back six months later. I said, I didn't, I came back in six weeks. So, uh, but that, you know, Hey, at least I put up a valiant attempt to talk Vince out of putting me in the main event at WrestleMania. I don't know if anyone else can say that honestly. Um, but it, yeah, it did hurt. It did, uh, it, it, it hurt. And that, uh, hurt came out in a long lost interview the next night with Kevin Kelly for one of their internet shows. We know that your uh, knees in a bad way here, but you're still going to go out and have an outstanding ladder match that night. The rock is going to get the win with some help from Paul white, who debuted the night before at St. Valentine's day massacre. But now you're out of the main event. You're no longer the world champion, but you're going to be working with the, uh, the former giant, what will become the big show here. What do you think you would have been doing? Had Paul White not debuted, like if he hadn't come over and they were still going to go with Rock Austin at WrestleMania, what do you think you would have done then? 
just lost cleanly. <laughs> the, the reason I'm laughing when uh, uh, Paul White's photo comes up is because we were starting to watch Jingle All the Way. And my son, Mickey, who's really quick, goes, yeah, it's, you think it's fair that uh, Big Show's been in two Christmas movies because he's in Jingle All the Way? And I said, well, what's the other one? He said, Elf. And I thought there's that scene in the postal room. Yes. With the guy who looks like a mini Big Show. <laughs> the guy's on. Hey, buddy, I'm uh, 26 years old. He looks like he's 45. Uh, but so that that's why I was laughing when Big Show went up there. But if you watch Elf, I dare you not to see that guy. Uh, it's in the mailroom dance scene. Uh, he does look like a mini Big Show. Uh, you know, the WrestleMania opportunity, when you know it's changing from no longer will it be Rock and Austin, now it's you and Big Show. I mean, that's got to be disappointing, right? Well, yeah, I guess, you know, the big show, you know, I forgot that that ended up uh, leading into my match uh, at Mania with Big Show in 99. Well, you know, it was it was disappointing, and, it, and I can't even remember the match except for the spot where I was on his back and he squashed me like a bug. And by all means, I should have never walked again, but here I am. Um, but we did have that ancillary uh, caveat where the winner of that match got to referee the main event. And uh, so in a weird way, it kind of was a WrestleMania moment for me because after he squashed me, it made sense that I wasn't able to do my refereeing duty, but I came in uh, for the last five minutes. And I'm telling you, Conrad, the reactions were just thunderous, like unlike anything I'd ever been part of, including the title win. Uh, you know, in Worcester, it was just incredible. And I remember Steve just looking at me, you know, one, two, three, looked at me, said, thanks kid. And I felt like I was on top of the world. So I did not main event mania that year, but, um, yeah, I still got a little mini mania moment out of it. We're going to be talking a lot about that WrestleMania, your biggest WrestleMania disappointment, your return for WrestleMania 2000. And of course your WrestleMania moment, the match with edge, when we do our next episode, which will be Mickamania. Uh, but I figure, Hey, since we've talked about the rock so much, we should talk about the, this is your life segment. Fast forward to 1999. I'm sure you've mended fences with the rock, but. <laughs> the observer man went bananas about this because of the success in a good way or a bad way. Well, I mean, listen, it's a mind boggling 8.39 quarter hour. It's the, it's unbelievable that you've got the biggest head to head margin of victory that happens here. It's September 27th, 1999. It's a 20 minute long segment spoofing. This is your life. You've got. <laughs> Actors and actresses, the rocks, former home ec teachers, former football coach, his former high school girlfriend, super <laughs> silly, super fun. But I've heard that people in the back, when this is going down, Bruce has said people hated it and were furious that it went long and blah, blah, blah. And then the ratings came in and I guess everybody had to hush. What do you remember about this? Oh, I do remember. I did not know how much Vince hated it. I really didn't, but uh, Vince Russo said later that Vince had to be like restrained or talked out of 
going out there and ending it himself because it was running so long. And it was like a train wreck unfolding in real time in that if you go back and watch it, I guess I hadn't been in conference with the production team because I was just using the name of my football coach, Everett Hart, and they had to have a different name. I was using the name of my uh, kindergarten teacher, Betty Griffith. <laughs> and so the graphics are different than what I'm yes. saying. And I've probably told this story here before, but uh, I guess we can say it again. Uh, the coach who was like the senior member of the local actors goes, uh, do you want to run some lines? And I go, yeah. And rock's kind of on the phone, you know? And I said, yeah, I'll bring you out and, uh, rock will say something and you'll leave and I'll bring you out and, uh, rock will say something. You leave, I'll bring you out. Rock will say something and you'll leave. And the coach goes, is this how you do it? Keep in mind, this is primetime TV, yes. live TV. We're not running over anything. And he goes, is this really how you do it? And Rock goes, yeah. And then I <laughs> I hear him say the words that Kevin Dunn, can I say Poontang Pie on TV? And I'm thinking, attitude error or not, you can't say PP on TV. And like, and then Kevin, I hear Kevin says, yeah, Rock, that should be fine. And that's why he said that she served him up a piece of that, or she wanted to serve him up. And, and you know, you know the rest. Yeah, there she is. She cut the Rock off at, at second base. He's still harbored harbored a grudge so but it was fun it was the next day so i don't recall vince hating it but i must have known he didn't like it because when rock tapped me on the shoulder and he he said you hear the ratings immediately like my stomach in my, my you know my heart sang into my stomach uh, because i thought with his intonation that it was a bad rating and i said no what were they and he went whatever you said 8.3 and i went 8.3 like that's not physically humanly possible and the only thing we can figure out is in the days before the internet or even texting people had to be calling each other on the phone so we went in search of vince we knocked on the door i think in uh past retellings i've said he was hiding behind a couch but i really doubt that he was that's just my right to embellish uh a good story but i do remember he said all right you can do whatever you want from now on. And uh, so we had carte blanche to do whatever we want. We took advantage of that. <laughs> as well. You should, as I, as I recall that happened in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. And the mm -hmm. next day you guys would have been in Richmond, Virginia at the Coliseum. Mm -hmm. So that's where you would have chased him down. And, uh, yeah, I love that, that you, <laughs> you were able to have that moment with Vince and okay. Alright. I think he said, damn it. Okay, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and I love I think uh on my biography that A and E did, when Vince was asked about it, he said, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was that good. And it it really wasn't, but there was no denying there was some magic about it. And I think uh the most beautiful aspect of it, Yurpel and I still in touch to this day. Let's do a few questions. Uh, Chef Akon wants to know, did you write the poem? I will not say those words. You twit. I will not say I quit. Oh, you know, I did brother. I spent a long time working on that bad boy. Uh, JM Wagner wants to know, did you watch halftime heat? They tried doing in 2019. This was an NXT six man tag team match. Did you see that one? I did. And I thought it was a great match, but here's the thing. I can't remember a single thing about it. 
And uh, Conrad, you and I have had the stars versus moments discussion yes. uh, before, and I'm sure that uh, from a match standpoint, that six-man was much better. But uh, we served up <laughs> a few great moments during halftime heat. One last question. Scott Norris says, if you were in charge of your creative at this time, how would you have booked the mankind story in 99 or would you have done it the same way it unfolded? Look, I couldn't have booked it that well. I mean, I had input, but I, I wouldn't have had the gall to say I belong. (laughs) I belong at the top of the card. I did think I belonged as the pulling guard, opening up holes for the rock in his journey to WrestleMania. So I was really thrilled. I mean, I had a great working relationship with Vince, both Vince's, Vince uh, Russo, Vince McMahon. So I had some ideas like, bro, we need what kind of match. And then, uh, you know, uh, hey, how about an I quit? Or maybe the uh, the empty arena. I think the I quit match was my idea too. But uh, I think they just did a really, really good job. I mean, once Vince got on board with uh, Mankind, uh, he really, you know, he really liked it. He was the one that made it possible for me to do the three face the Foley. So he had been a skeptic when I got there, but uh, brother, you know, he opened up his mind and uh, to the possibilities. And uh, I was really, really happy with the way that was booked. I wouldn't have had the disappointment of uh, uh, not being in the WrestleMania main event because I would have never booked myself in the WrestleMania main event. Now, now fast forward four years, I did try to sell Vince on the idea of me winning the Rumble in my return and uh, challenging both SmackDown and uh, uh, Raw champions to a three-way dance. And Vince said, I have no interest whatsoever in doing that. And that's why I always tell people, have a plan B. Because my plan B, I said, I've got this idea for Randy Orton. And that turned out to be you know, one of the best storylines of my, of my career. All right, listen up. We've got great news. We're excited to announce a new affiliate partnership with Fanatics and the WWE Shop. It's an easy way to support your favorite podcasts. Shop official WWE gear and apparel by using our special URL, shopwrestlingmerch.com. That's shopwrestlingmerch.com. Or if you're watching along with us on YouTube, just hit that QR code that's up on the screen right now and check out the description below for the link. We'll have it up on all of our socials as well. But you can shop with confidence for your favorite WWE superstar. Tees, hoodies, caps, championship belts, and more with the WWE shop. And don't forget to use our special link shopwrestlingmerch.com. Not only do we get some great deals and some great swag, but it's also an easy way to support the show. That's shopwrestlingmerch.com. We're going to talk about some of your favorite and least favorite WrestleMania moments in our next episode next month. It'll be make a mania. If you've got a question, you can get it in on social media right now. It's at Folia's pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Don't forget the cheesy, the cheapest, easiest way to support the show is to hit that subscribe button over at Foley on youtube.com. But Mick, here we are, man, right at the end of the year with the holidays upon us, never been a better time to check out cameo.com slash Mick Foley. Don't forget there's a promo code right now. You can use jolly 25. That's capital J jolly 25 at cameo.com forward slash Mick Foley. Man, this is uh this is your season, man. Christmas time. Here we go. Tis the season to be jolly. Yeah, I'm doing uh the, the show on the twenty first and then uh gonna have a great time with the family. Conrad, am I at liberty to tell people what the next episode represents to us? 
Sure. Do you know what day that's happening yet? I don't know. You're talking about our final episode. There we go. We're got one more Foley as pod episode coming your way. Of course, to keep you company in the meantime, we'll still have some remixes and best of, but we've got one more episode of Foley as pod coming your way. That'll be our series finale. And we'll be in person one last time, Mick. That's right. I can't wait. I've had such a great time, uh, with you and Grillo. Before I go, can I just share a little Christmas story that involves the two of you? Please do. So if you uh, look at my, uh, go to my Facebook page uh, a couple days ago, I did the, my top 25 Christmas songs. And I did a little write-up for each one. So it took me about four hours to write up. You know, it wasn't just listing the songs 25 to one. It was a little, you know, a little mention and a write-up of each song. So uh, first thing uh, my son Huey says is, my son Mickey, I think, Dad is uh, the Christmas uh, visitor on there. I go, you better believe it is. I think it's at number seven, and it's one of those classic Johnny Cash like talk songs. Sure, uh, about a Christmas visitor, and it's about a guy named Conrad expecting a visit from the Lord, and uh, he receives a real emotional surprise at the end of the day. And so when Mickey does his retelling, it's always. <laughs> And the Lord came to Conrad and Dave Silva. <laughs> so, so you're still over in the Foley house. Uh, I guess that uh, one time that Mickey made the appearance made quite an impression on him. Fantastic. I absolutely loved our time today. And uh, when we finish up, I'm going to go listen to some Christmas songs, including a Christmas visitor, uh, man. I can't thank you enough for the time today. I hope everybody will uh, be sure to see your live appearances. Be sure to see where Mick is going in the month of January right now at realmickfoley.com. And if he's not coming to your neck of the woods, he can be right in your phone. It's cameo.com slash Mick Foley. Be sure to use that promo code jolly 25 with a capital J Mick, I hope you and the rest of the Foley fam have a fantastic Christmas. And well, I guess like everybody says around this time of year. And we'll talk to you Have next yourself year. a merry little Christmas now. Now. Oh, wow. Sorry. I didn't know he was going to do that. Wow. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, go ahead. What were you about to say? Nothing. I, I was, I was really impressed. A mankind run in. We haven't seen many of those here. Who was that masked man? <laughs> hey, thanks everyone. And uh, tell your friends, uh, tune into the last episode. We're going to try to make it something special. It's been a, Great experience and wishing you and yours a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holiday, whatever you celebrate. I hope it's jolly and hope your new year is filled with uh, peace and love and understanding. We'll see you next year right here on Foley is Pod. On the first day of Christmas, do love show to thee. Stu Hart's kid with a bad knee. On the second day of Christmas, do love show to me. Two purple hugs and Stu Hart's kid with with a a bad knee. On the third day of Christmas, do love show to thee. Three man band, two purple hugs and Stu Hart's kid with with a bad knee. Now on that fourth day of Christmas, brother, do love show to thee. 
four, four horsemen, three man band, two yearful hugs, and two hearts kin with a bad knee. On that fifth day of Christmas, dude love show to thee, five wrestling rings. A four horsemen, three man band, two yearful hugs, and two hearts kin with a bad knee. On the sixth day of Christmas, dude love show to me. Six, six, one, nine, five wrestling rings. A four horsemen, three man band, two yearful hugs, and two hearts kid with a bad knee. Now on that seventh day of Christmas, brother, dude love show to thee. A seven body slamming six, six, one, nine, five wrestling rings. A four horsemen, not including Roma's. What? Roma? Paul Roma? No, there's no way. There's no way Paul Roma was a horseman. On that eighth day of Christmas, brother, dude love show to thee. Eight, eighties gimmicks, seven body slamming, six, six, one, nine, five wrestling rings. Ow! A four horsemen. You're not kidding. Paul, Paul Roma was a member of the four, no, four horsemen. Ole and Arn and Tolly and Flair. I'll, I'll include Wyndham or Luger, but no, no, not Roma. I can't go there. A nine roots a selling, eight eighties gimmick, seven body slamming, six six one nines, five wrestling rings. Ow! Four horsemen, three man band, two yearful hugs, and two hearts kid inside of surgery. Now on that tenth day of Christmas, do love show to thee. A ten, ten lads a leaping, nine roots a selling, eight eighties gimmicks, seven body slamming, six six one nines, five wrestling rings. Ow! A four horsemen. I'm not counting Roma. Two yearful hugs and two hearts, kid, with a brand new knee. On that eleventh day of Christmas, do love show to thee. Eleven Roddy's piping, ten lads a leaping, nine roots a selling, eight eighties gimmick, seven body slamming, six six one nine five wrestling rings. Ow! A four horsemen, not including Roma, two yearful hugs, and two hearts kid with a brand new knee. Twelfth day of Christmas. Dude love show to thee. A twelve stunners stunning. Eleven Roddy's piping. Ten lads a leaping. Nine roots a selling. Eight eighties gimmick. Seven body slamming. Six six one nines. Five wrestling rings. Ow! A four horsemen. Not including Roma. Two yearful hogs. And two hearts kid with that brand new knee. Have mercy. Ready for some great news during the holidays? Just last week, interest rates fell lower than they've been in months. <gasps> this could be your chance to finally pay off all of your high interest rate credit cards 
and lower your monthly payments by 500, 600, 700, even $800 a month. And how much can you save? It's free to find out right now at SaveWithConrad.com. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And you even get to skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com.